Thank you for your honesty. That was a very raw and honest answer that I did not expect out the gate. So, wow. Okay. That's how it works. I mean, that's how I'm feeling right now. I have been unfiltered with a whole lot of people this week. So, I'm just keeping it going. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Wind Down, Build Up the podcast giving you the tea and the tools to succeed in business. I'm Tabitha Solomon. And I'm KJ Miller. Today on the show, playing a round of Plead the Fifth, okay? Now dun, this... Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> this is the episode where we get to ask each other anything we want, including juicy, petty, salacious, startup <laughs> secrets, whatever we want. Um, but if it gets a little too hot, we can always plead the fifth and decline to answer. Mm-hmm. Are you I'm, are you ready? <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> yes. That's what I am. <laughs> I am too, because I don't know what questions you've come up with. You don't know what questions I've come up with. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's either about to get real, real or real uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess a little bit of both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we can't wait to jump into it right after a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, we've got a new sponsor this week, and I'm so excited to tell you all about them. The name of the store is Sookie's Candle Co. Sookie is an amazing Black woman who's been featured in Vogue and Black Enterprise and a million other sites for her amazing, amazing candles. And look, if you know me, I'm not typically a candle girl. I'm not one of these girls who has candles all over the house, but Sookie sent us some of her amazing candles, and I have been using it ever since. So I'm currently in love with coconut lime. Yes, one of the scents is coconut lime. She has amazing, really original scents. So grapefruit mint, honeysuckle jasmine, sea salt and orchid. I mean, since you're not going to find anywhere else and they're so refreshing, when I light my coconut lime, I honestly just feel pure joy and pure relaxation. You've got to try these candles. So if you want to try them, go to sookiescandleco.com. It's S-U-K-I-E-S. C-A-N-D-L-E-C-O dot com. And I promise you, you will not regret it. Now let's get back to the show. All right, guys, let's play Plead the Fifth. But before we do, I got to know, Tabitha, obviously we have to have some drinks for this episode. So (laughs) (laughs) what are you drinking? Well, you know what? This one has sentimental value to me because um, one of Dash Camp's teachers went to Napa uh, last weekend and they sent us a bottle of wine from their tour. Wow, that's so so nice. That's so nice. She sent a gorgeous gift basket and wine and she just wanted to tell us how much she appreciated us for, you know, providing jobs and for essentially putting, you know, making kids happy this summer. And she just wanted to show her appreciation. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I just, I, I was very shocked because, you know, we, we pay her, but like, right. The, the wine is really nice. She texts us and was like, what do we drink? And we we're like, Prosecco would be nice. I mean, if you're going to buy us something. So yes. she um, sent a nice bottle of the white night. And I have to say, I am loving this bottle. Mm. I just don't like big bubbles. And it just has like, what I feel like are like dainty bubbles in this sparkling wine. So I love it. She did a great job. Uh, well, that's so amazing that your teachers like love you guys so much. 
Um, if they're sending you gifts, I that's know. amazing. <laughs> I can tell you these heartwarming stories from, we call them love notes that we get from the kids and the teachers. So like this bottle of wine just like takes it to the next level though. <laughs> oh, that's really awesome. Um, well, my, my drink doesn't have nearly as much sentimental value. I just love rosé. So <laughs> <laughs> I am drinking rosé today. It's still summer, so it is still rosé season. Um, and that's what I'm drinking today. Nice. All right. Hope you've had a couple glasses. Yes, I'm <laughs> going to need it. <laughs> Woo. All right. Well, let's dive right in. Um, usually we start with the tea, but because this whole episode is basically tea, we've just got our tea and tools wrapped up to one. I think people are still probably going to learn something from this. I mean, what do you think? I mean, let's go with yes. Yes, they will. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so do you want to ask the first question or should I? I'll ask the first question since uh, you came up with the idea. I feel like it's only you to be victim number one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I was going back and forth on whether to throw a softball question to you first or a heavy hitter. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I thought, what fun would it be to throw a softball question? (laughs) (laughs) So my first question, KJ, is, what is the biggest sacrifice you've had to make to build minted cosmetics? Oh man. Um, that's a good question. And I do feel like there's been a fair amount of sacrifice, but the biggest, uh, I mean, honestly, and this is just how I honestly feel about it. I've had to give up a lot of equity and ownership in this company that Amanda and I built from scratch to build it to what it is. And that is a tough pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. Like to know that no one has worked as hard as we have. No one has given as much of themselves as we have. I mean, the tears I have cried over this company, the anxiety I've endured over this company the long nights, the waking up like at three in the morning, can't sleep because I'm so stressed out about what's going to happen. Like nobody else has endured that. And I own relative to other founders, I would say in our position, a fairly small amount of the company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is a tough pill to swallow. (laughs) <laughs> wow so first I of think... all <laughs> thank you for your honesty and your transparency out the gate um you know I, I guess my follow-up question would then be like I guess there is two parts one if you could go back in time um what maybe would you have done differently as there might be founders right now who are there might be bootstrapping or they might be considering fundraising or in the midst of fundraising and hearing to the hearing that may make them think twice so mm-hmm. um what would you tell your your younger self um as you're going on this journey when yeah. it comes specifically to fundraising and what you just said is the biggest sacrifice yeah well you know i i honestly don't know if there's anything i could have done differently along the way because so we've raised two rounds and okay. for, for anyone who's unfamiliar with venture raising or raising capital for a startup what determines how much you own after you get out of that round is the valuation that's put on the company at that moment. 
right? So if you raise a million dollars at a $10 million valuation, you sold 10% of your company. This is rough math. Obviously there's pre and post, blah, 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 but rough math. If you raise a million dollars at a $2 million valuation, you sold 50% of your company, right? So everything comes down to the valuation and the valuations that we had, we raised two rounds in both rounds were, you know, I, they weren't what I would say is on the low end, but they weren't on the high end. I would mm-hmm. call them like sort of like middle range and maybe a little bit lower than middle range. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but the reality is for both of those rounds, we didn't have competing term sheets. So it's very hard to negotiate a higher value. Like if the person who's offering to write you these million dollar checks says, this is the valuation, I might be able to get you up a bit right? Just, just for my ingenuity and charisma and charm and whatever models I show you, Uh but, but I'm not going to get you to completely outbid yourself if you don't have any incentive to. And we didn't have competing term sheets Mm -hmm. for those rounds, which means it was sort of like what they said went, or we could just not raise the money, but not raising the money meant not being able to grow at the pace we wanted to. So, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow, but I honestly don't know if I could have done it differently. And I think like, Honestly, what it means for me at this point is I am being uber protective of me and Amanda's equity at this point. Mm. Um, And it is affecting how I think about raising Mm -hmm. and and whether we raise. Um, And it's also making me, I think, if I ever do this again, and and I think there's not a 0% chance that I will, you know, if I ever start another company and raise money for that company, I think I'll be in a much better position to negotiate and say like, look, I know the size company I can build and I know how quickly I can build it and I can build it even yeah. quicker this time because I know so much more this time around. Like, yeah. um, and I don't think I'll be in this position again, right? From an equity mm-hmm. perspective, if I, if I ever start another company, but, but that's where we are now. And like, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. That was a very raw and honest answer that I did not expect out the gate. So, wow. Okay. That's how we're feeling. I mean, that's how I'm feeling right now. I have been unfiltered with a whole lot of people this week. So, I'm just keeping it going. (laughs) Um, Okay. My turn. And I would love to know. Now, this is more personal. So, like we said, you can always plead the fifth. Okay. But I would like to know, you know, how it's been being single and being a founder and, you know, dedicating so much of your life and your time and your energy to your company while also, you know, looking for a partner. I'm I'm assuming by that statement that that's something that you want. Like, what, how, how has that been for you? You know, the interesting thing is I haven't been single the entire time that I've been building this business. So I've dated, I've had relationships and they've all not worked out for one reason or another. Um, I would say that I know, and I make it very clear before, you know, when going into relationships that like, I have found my purpose. And I'm living out my purpose. And if you're not going to help push me towards that, then this probably won't work. So that's a deal breaker out the gate. So I, I try to communicate that, you know, up front that I work excessively, but I also am a really good partner, you know, like I'm very caring and nurturing and loving, you know, and if 
that person ever needs me for something, I will always prioritize them over the business because I just believe people over business. That's just like a personal philosophy. Um, but it, what I will say is it's hard to meet people because I, I work so much and being in quarantine. So like, you know, makes it difficult times 10, not by two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, I would say that when I, I will say when I'm in the relationship, I find that I have to give them time. So that means I spend less time in my business and there's a little bit of guilt there. Mm-hmm. And when like in my season now where I'm single, I work around the clock and I don't feel guilty about it. Like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I get an extra three hours of work every day. <laughs> you know? so, like, I don't know, maybe I sound crazy, but, um, you know, I just believe that the per- the person that God has for me is going to understand my dreams and my aspiration and what I'm trying to build, how disruptive I believe this thing can be. And they're going to be proud of me and they're going to push me and they're going to help me get to that particular vision. So um, it sucks because in an ideal world, I would already have that person, but you know, I don't, and I'm okay with that because I believe that like in due time, he will come. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, I mean, I think it's, it's so true what you're saying about like, there's an upside in that you do get to just like grind that much harder, you know, on your business. And this is the time when like, that matters so much. Every extra hour you spend like reaps the benefit of like 10 hours spent, you know, because you're you're so focused. Yeah. Um, And yeah, as I've, you know, I got married uh, about a year before we launched minted and you know my marriage has been a focal point for me and I was up front with Amanda when we started the business I was like look every night I want to be home in time for dinner like you know every night that Mm -hmm. I can obviously we we travel sometimes and whatever but you know and that was a really sort of strict setup for me and I would be home I would have dinner with Kadar and I would unplug you know for hours while Amanda was still working now you know I'm much more of a morning person she's much more of an evening person so I also often would wake up and start working before her but still like you know she was often grinding it out later because I was like no this is this is my time with my partner you know we we only get so many of these of these days and years together so yeah it does it does mean that there's some amount of focus that is going to be pulled and like and I'm not apologetic about it by any means but I do think there's a there's a trade-off there yeah yeah I completely agree um there's definitely a trade-off and you everyone has to make that decision for them you know there's a lot of people especially when you think about a woman who you know is in her prime giving up you know like prioritizing finding that person may think I'm insane you know like I can imagine a lot of people like this girl is nuts you know but I'm Mm -hmm. like this is my purpose (laughs) <laughs> like totally. I just, I believe I'm walking that. So, totally. okay. Question for you. Uh-huh. Let's see here. <laughs> what rule do you think more people should break more often? Oh, well, I, one of my favorite quotes by Laura Thatcher, you're, I'm going to mess up her name, but you know, Google it. One of my favorite quotes is, well-behaved women seldom make history. Yeah. And that quote, I love it so much because what it means to me, and I realize now that I've gone back and read the whole thing, that this is sort of taking it out of context a bit, but just that quote on its own, what it means to me is like, sometimes you have to be 
bold, aggressive, assertive, yeah. even even rude sometimes, right? Like you have to misbehave sometimes to get shit done and to make shit happen. And if that means like my name will be written down in the history books because I did something, I built something that matters, then so be it, right? Like, and I can't spend all of my time trying to figure out how to be the most polite and the most Mm well-liked, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I would never be in the running for that award anyway, but like, (laughs) I, I just feel like, uh, so, so I don't know if it's a rule, but I do feel like women in particular so often feel like it's so important for us to be liked, Mm. um, and to be seen as being so warm and and polite and everything else. And sometimes I think you just got to throw that shit out of the window and make it very clear to people like, look, like me or love me or hate me, I get shit done. And I'm right about this. Mm. Right. And if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. then then I'll say I'm wrong. When I'm young, I'm the first person to say it. I don't, I don't drag it out. I don't push it under the rug. I don't scapegoat other people. I say very clearly, guys, I was wrong about this. This is my bad let's let's do this to fix it like I'm the first one to say it but when I'm right and I often am to be clear like I'm I'm not gonna hold back and I'm not gonna like you know try to make you feel better about your feelings and drag shit out so that I'm not gonna do any of that you know (laughs) like yeah like because you know we're moving quickly there's a lot to get done and so yeah I just that to me whatever the rule is that makes you think that at all times you have to be uber polite and 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 catering to everyone's whim throw that throw that out the window and by the way I'm not saying like rude probably wasn't the word I should have used I don't generally think I'm rude to people I think I'm you know I think I'm very respectful to people but I also think I demand respect from people Mm -hmm. and I don't play games when it comes to my money so (laughs) (laughs) so yeah I just think like women spend so much of our time trying to be liked and all of that and just you know get rid of it Mm. that's so interesting because I remember in a previous conversation you mentioned that it almost feels like there's this inverse relationship or perceived inverse relationship that you're either nice or you're competent Mm -hmm. it's not that you could be nice and competent you know yeah Um, and I feel like you know you're nice direct and competent you know I feel like Maybe because I know you more socially, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, and, yeah. And you're so lovable, you know. I actually <laughs> would love to see what you're like in a boardroom. Maybe you're a shark. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, I'm not. You know, I don't. I don't know that I'd call myself a shark, but I am. I am direct. I think that's right. Okay. And it's funny. So our lead makeup artist one day said to me, like, um, we were at a photo shoot, and you know, at our photo shoots, we have fun. We get a lot of shit done. We have fun. But sometimes it's like, all right, you know, we, we need to get the shot. We need to get it done. We need this models here. And then I'll, you know, I'll run and have to do a conference call. And I think something had happened in the middle of the shoot where I basically had to just kind of like let a vendor know about themselves a little bit because they were mm-hmm. messing up. And our makeup artist was like, wow, you can just turn, you can flip a switch so fast. I had, <laughs> I had just been joking and like shooting the shit with everybody yeah. on set. And then in a second, I was just like, look, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we're not going to do. So, yeah, I think I am. I am direct. Um, And, you know, it's it's served me well for the most part. Yeah. Well, good. Good. Um, Okay, my next question for you is, can you name something we learned in B school that you think is bullshit? (laughs) 
I thought you were gonna say that's valuable. <laughs> <laughs> that's bullshit. Yes. Oh, man. Um. Well, let me think about that for just a moment. I. I was one of those people who went to B school in large part for uh, like intangible things. It wasn't like I'm coming for this learn these things from textbooks and type of thing mm-hmm, but um mm-hmm. i do think there was like this this idea and, and they've now recognized this but i think there was this idea that they thought there's no issue wrong in the world when it came to um gen- uh, gender and race mm. um i remember you know like the asu the african american student union um essentially trying to tell the dean like you have almost a thousand students here. Okay. And of the thousand students, you have roughly 50 black people. Okay. So if you have a thousand students, 50 black people, that's 5%. Of the 50 black people, like 25, 25 were from Africa and 25 were from the U S. So that's 2.5% are African American, but the population is closer to 15%. Like, do you think that there's something that could or should be done about that? You know, or, you know, a lot of black people just felt very uncomfortable, um, you know, because it's hard to be the only one in a room of like a, a hundred people where you have to talk every single day. So mm-hmm. a lot of times people wouldn't find their voice in the yeah. classroom. They would have a hard time finding their community. They would find a hard time finding support. They would find a, have a hard time connecting with people. And I felt like anytime people try to speak up about these issues, it was often like pat you on the head, like, you should feel lucky that you got here. And it's like, well, you know, like, hey, I was number one salesperson in the country at Johnson & Johnson. Like, I earned my fucking spot here. You, yeah. know? <laughs> like, you know, like, my test scores were really strong, you know? Like, I earned my spot. Like, I'm probably more competent than the guy to the left of me. Let's be real about it. Because we, you know, oftentimes have to work a little harder to prove that we've earned that spot. And mm-hmm. so I think that one of the things that kind of, like, aggravated me was, like, leadership often would make it seem like guys are really not something wrong or here are all the things that we're planning to do you know mm-hmm. and, and and it was very little acknowledgement that things were broken and like let's actually look to put plans and like to actually put action not just plans on paper but like action in place to fix things you know and so i don't know i think 2020 is a year of awakening um i the dean has publicly said like i failed the african-american community like publicly and mm. these I are all that the- i didn't know he said that he sent an email out about it um oh, and i okay. was like finally you know because the thing is <laughs> I, I i love dean noria and i think he is brilliant and i think he's very competent but i think this is a blind spot for him mm-hmm. you know um i think that he understood the women's plight you know, and they did an incredible job, you know, almost a parody, you know, while we were there, 40% of our class were women. So that's almost representing the U.S., but I just felt like other groups were often um, neglected. And so for me, when we asked, like, what's bullshit, like, the fact that there was equity and everything was okay, and they were actually going to make change felt like bullshit. But Mm. I'm hopeful that we are now on the precipice of change. Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%. Actually, the professor who we had, we had a professor who did write a, a business school case about us, an HBS case about us. And congrats, um, by the way. That's thank you, um, uh, Professor Stephen Rogers. Um, and he was one of the reasons he left and one of his, you know, sort of biggest mantles uh, while he was at 
HBS was increasing the number of cases with Black protagonists and the number of classes where cases with Black protagonists were taught. And he, you know, basically for his, I think he was there for maybe a decade or so, um, for his tenure there, focused on this issue and barely made a dent in terms of classes that, you know, that taught cases with Black protagonists. His, yeah. his class did, but so many other classes literally had zero cases with yeah. Black protagonists, couldn't even get people. He tried to get people to commit, professors to commit to teaching one case, one case with a Black protagonist, and most professors wouldn't sign on. Yeah. It's wow. so crazy. So That's yeah, shocking to me. Completely shocking. And yeah, just really, really crazy. So I agree with you. I'm glad Noria said something. Um, and hopefully, you know, they, they, their actions speak louder than their words. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Okay. Next question for you. <laughs> okay. Do you believe that you should be friends with your competitors? Why or why not? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah, I have thoughts on this. So, um, the first the, the, the first answer to this question is yes, I do. Um, because I think at our level, um, I will, I'll speak for the beauty industry in particular. In the beauty industry, companies making sub $50 million make up such a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of the overall market. Mm-hmm. That like, if we are friends with each other and we learn from one another and talk to one another and and so on and so forth, probably we're only stealing market share from the bigger guys, not mm-hmm. from each other. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a real argument to be made that like we benefit more more than we give up um, okay. by by being friends and 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 being collaborative. Um, so I do think that. Um, and and as a result, like you know, I'm friends with Melissa Butler of Lip Bar. Um, we definitely, you know, we're good with, um, and friends with, um, Kashmir over at Beauty Bakery. We know Sharon over at Uoma Beauty. Um, you know, we're good friends with Natalie over at Winky Lux. Like we've met a lot of beauty founders and, and we're, you know, we're friends with them. We love Deepika over at Live Tinted. A lot of these people who people would say are direct competitors of ours, we know and are definitely friendly with, um, However, I will say that, you know, not everyone is truly collaborative and you just have to be, um, I just think you have to be a good judge of character and decide like what it actually means to be friends. Being friends might just mean like, um, you know, whenever I see you out and about, because we're going to probably end up at some of the same industry events or startup events or networking events or whatever on the same panels, whatever whenever we see each other, we're going to be friendly and we're going to be good. And maybe we'll, you know, chit chat over a drink. Um, but maybe for you, that friendship doesn't extend to like, I'm going to share my contacts with you or, you know, if you ask yeah. me for, you know, like stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and there are definitely like, there are things I do share and things I don't share. So like if someone were to ask me, someone in my direct comp- a direct competitor were to ask me um, who does my press, I'm not going to tell you that. I don't need you getting more press. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I need more press. But like, if you ask me like who makes, um, who makes our boxes, 
I'll tell you who makes our boxes. I don't give a shit oh, if you're, if my okay. box guy is your box guy because there's so many box guys out there, like, you know, mm-hmm. like, and they're all making the same thing. Mm-hmm. So if you just need one and I'm happy to, I'm happy to share my box guy. So I think everyone has their own metrics around that, their own systems around that. But for me, I have found generally speaking, it is fine to be friends because like the market share I'm worried about stealing is from, you know, these billion dollar giants yeah okay so you're saying you uh, you agree and you do have uh, friendships with competitors yes but i'm very curious to know what your answer to that question would be (laughs) (laughs) so i think i have a similar school of thought um we actually do have a competitor and they we've met from just like the entrepreneurial female circles in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, we had turned on some Google ads. I have a friend who's helping me out with that. And I guess they were bidding on their keyword. Um, and they sent me this super long email, essentially asking us, do you mind turning off the ads that are on our keywords? And so it, it was one of those things like, yeah, 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 no problem. Like for me, like, hey, we know each other. You're not okay with this. This is not illegal people do this every single day bid on each other's keywords it's like totally a pretty typical google strategy but i want us to be cordial when we see each other and friendly and if this bothers you not a problem so that's an example where it's like you know we've met each other we're friendly like both of us have pivoted and pivoted into the same exact space just coincidentally and so like um i'm friendly but similar to you like am i going to tell you who does like our digital ads no (laughs) <laughs> like am I gonna tell you who does our creatives no but if you are to, to ask me like can you turn off this competitive ad then I'm happy to do that you know but um I'm friendly meaning like hey I can have a glass of wine hear how things are going talk about things at a very high level but I would probably never talk about like the specifics about our like go-to-market strategy or how many you know like our hiring strategy anything tactical like I mean, if they listen to the podcast, they would probably hear a shit ton about what we're doing with our business already, <laughs> you know, but outside of that, like, you know, I'm pretty tight lipped because I feel like our com- the community who's listening to us, I feel like they're sacred, you know, like they're family, they're people mm-hmm. that we're trying to put up on game, like we mm-hmm. want them to win, we're rooting for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm just assuming they're not listening to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, if they are, damn, they're smartest, you know what? But, <laughs> but I also am like, mm. um, anywho, but so yeah, I believe in being friendly, but not necessarily like putting them on game on like the ins and outs on how we're actually building this thing. Yeah. Oh, similar. Um, well, my, my next question is around, basically, I, I think we all have, or we both have, dreams, aspirations, things we want to do in the future. Um, But my question for you is, you know, where do you see yourself, you know, three, call it three to five years from now? Do you think you'll still be running Party Dash? Do you think you may move on to something else by then and leave it in the capable hands of someone else? Like, where do you see yourself? Um, so for me, I've always wanted to build a business that was disruptive, um, that got super big, and then I wanted to sell it. Like, I'm not in the business of building a business and then 
running it until I die or passing it along to my kids. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to feel like I'm forcing my kids to live out my dreams, you know, because mm-hmm. I built it. Um, I, I actually have friends who've been in that scenario and they resented their families because of that because they felt mm. forced into a certain path instead of them feeling like they had freedom to pursue their passions, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my dream is, you know, five, seven years for this company to have a very sizable revenue and um, meaningful multiple that I could exit at. And at that point, we're talking about a couple of generations of financial freedom. And so the money I would then have, I would hope to essentially invest in other female entrepreneurs, invest in uh, entrepreneurs that are of color um, and people in general who have really cool, innovative ideas, but perhaps aren't in New York or Silicon Valley to get access to capital. Um, and so I essentially want to find the gems that other people overlook, but have everything that I have, you know, like they're scrappy, they're, you know, they're hungry, they're hardworking, they're, they're talented, they're capable, they're likable, like they have everything, except mm-hmm. for the money to get them from A to B, you know, so I would love to be, you know, um, an angel investor of some sort, a coach, and helping people to build the next big disruptive thing. That's, that's my dream. Um, yeah. How about yourself? Yeah, I, I waffle back and forth on this a lot. There's a part of me that thinks having like a nice, solid, sizable exit for Minted in the next three, I'd call it three-ish years, three to five. Um, but yeah, more like three-ish years would be really great. And, you know, would um, set myself up, my family up, future kids up, everything. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, would also set me up to be able to to do what I want to do next, which I, I really do believe is to teach full time for at least some some length of time. Interesting. That's, yeah. It's and when you I've, say teach, like, are you thinking like primary school, like college? Oh, no, 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 no. I want to teach business school. I oh, really, okay. yeah, I've, I've loved teaching my course and I've, I've, it's been in my mind for a long time that it would be a lot of fun to sort of like help raise up the next generation of, of business leaders um, and to do it in my way. Cause I think, yeah. you know, there were some great professors at HBS, but also some professors who I think were not as great. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to be able to leave my mark in that way. So um, yeah, part of me feels like how, you know, it'd be really nice to, to, to sort of like attack the next great, great um, challenge. But then there's a part of me that can really see myself running minted for a very long time. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've loved sort of being a part of setting the vision and, and running towards our goals and, and, and really solidifying what we mean and what we stand for as a brand and, and being at the helm. Um, I've loved all of this and, and I could see myself continuing to do it for a long time. I think, I just think if I were going to do it, things would have to look a lot different. I don't think I could keep running at this pace. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for, yeah. you know, for another 10 years, I think there'd have to be a much bigger team and much more support. And I think my role would have to look a bit different. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I go back and forth on that. But I, I am someone who definitely believes, like you said, in an exit in building generational wealth and that's actually something that a lot of black owned brands particularly black owned like hair care and beauty brands get flack for when they do sell um because then you're not Mm -hmm. black owned anymore and people feel like you've 
sold out and you know it's it can be a really really Mm -hmm. difficult um balancing act but you know at the end of the day no one can dictate for you sort of what's right for you and so few black americans in this country have real wealth like familial wealth that they can pass down and there aren't that many ways to get it and that's the truth no matter what trump tells you about the american dream the truth is it is hard to build wealth in this country Mm -hmm. and so you know if i have the opportunity to do that for myself and my family i'm not going to just like sneeze at that you know (laughs) yeah um so that's certainly on on my mind yeah um okay we have time for one question each before we have to wrap up this mm-hmm. uh plead the fifth episode so <laughs> and neither of us has played the fifth like we've we've, we've answered every question i'm proud of us <laughs> i mean we are but you know what we're just very honest and transparent people in general so i should have known that was gonna happen i thought i was gonna <laughs> plead the fifth at least once but yeah <laughs> um so my last question for you is other than your title ceo why do you think others follow you Hmm. Oh, what a good question. Um, let's see. I, I think that I am good at getting people excited about things. Um, and I think part of that is, you know, the, the, the way I speak about things, you know, just generally my you call them oratory skills. You know, I was on the yeah. speech and debate club and, you know, wrote speeches growing oh, up. And, okay. um, yeah, I, I think part of that is, is, you know, oratory, is that a word? Yeah, oratory skills. Um, part of that, I think maybe is charisma, which I think just means like, you know, having the ability to sort of like read a room and understand like what, what someone might want to hear or what's going to like make someone think in a different way or make mm-hmm. someone you know, excited or make someone laugh or make someone, you know, I, for whatever reason, I do think those are skills I possess. And I think those combination of skills, um, help me, uh, to get people on board, right. Like with the vision and get excited about a vision Mm -hmm. and and understand it and, and want to see more of it. Um, so I think even if I didn't have the CEO title, I'd, I'd play some sort of role in, shaping the, the the vision in the future of the company because I am good at getting people on board um, yeah getting people on board with my idea so yeah it's... I think that's really important because you know I was talking to my CTO about this last night and he was saying you know he doesn't follow ideas he follows people mm-hmm. so you know he was like what companies I decide to choose next is strictly based off you know, the person at the helm of the organization, you know, this guy is brilliant, you know, like literally one of the smartest people I've met in my life, MIT grad, boarding school, computer science has been through multiple exits. Like I brag on this guy all the time because I'm like, he is freaking brilliant, you know? Um, And he was like, I didn't join Party Dash and Dash Camp because of necessarily like the vision, even though the vision's super cool, it's because like, I believe in you as a leader. And I bet most of your team would say the same thing. It's like, I love what you're doing, you know, but if another person was doing the same thing, you know, like would have been a success, right? Would they have followed them? 
Because mm-hmm. a lot of me, you know, been, you know, no shade to anyone else, but there's been a number of people who've tried to do something similar, right? Mm-hmm. But they they fail to inspire people or get or galvanize them in the same way that you have. So it's really interesting to hear you articulate, um, you know, some of the some of the things that you think you may have done differently to get people excited and bought into the vision and yeah. to fo- and follow you. Yeah, cool. Um, well, I guess my final question for you is a classic question I feel like investors ask, and I'm going to ask it to you, um, which is, which do you want more, to be rich or to be king? Have, have, you, gotten that, have you gotten that question before? Um, I, no one's asked me that from an investor's perspective, but I've definitely heard that question asked before, and mine is very easy, definitely rich. Like, Mm. I think rich, I think having money gives you power because I think the king is looking for power, but I think that power can easily fade away, you know, Um, but I, (laughs) this sounds probably like maybe crass and I don't mean it to sound this way, but I think that that's very short term thinking, you know, versus Mm. you make money, then you start to call the shots. And I don't necessarily need to be in the front, the forefront, you know, and very visible. As a matter of fact, I felt very com- uncomfortable with the idea of me being public, um, me building my business. Because I'm the type of person like, I just want to quietly build something epic and just stack up bread. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, the, <laughs> where I come from on this, you know. <laughs> but I realized like going front and center actually helped me build, <laughs> like build this company a bit faster and to like, you know, just get people more excited about it. So I realized I have to just step into that and just accept that that's, that's part of me trying to build this thing. But hands down, like I will choose being rich over King any day. And you know, one other thing that's interesting about you saying that is um, I was doing interviews with some of our customers earlier today. And one of the customers was like, Tabitha, I feel like you should run for politics. I feel like you should run for office or something at some point. Like Jacksonville needs you. I'm in my hometown now. And I was like, see, I have no interest in being king. I was like, I'm a businesswoman. <laughs> That's the one thing I'm good at. I think I'm going to stick with that for a while. So uh, yeah, rich it is. That's so interesting. Can I just say, first of all, I, I was pretty sure that's what you, what you were going to pick, just knowing you. But <laughs> I also, it's so interesting because Oh, I used to hear that question and think like, I mean, obviously I want both, right? Like, oh, so, interesting. But now, I, but I get it that it's sort of like, that's the cop-out answer. The real answer is like, yeah, but if you had to choose which one means more to you, matters more to you. And for me, it's being king. And like for sure, I can, I can say that without hesitance now, like, yes, I want to get paid. I want to make this money. But the reality is if that were what mattered the most to me, I would not be running this startup. Okay. Because I could be making so much more money right now. You know, had I stayed in my consulting career, had I left and gone and, you know, been some sort of executive at whatever company, you know, I would absolutely be making more money, more money saved. This house would be bigger, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) like, I mean, for for sure. Like it's because I want to lead and I want um, the decisions I make to be my own. I want to see things happen that I want to happen when I want to happen. Like for sure, I am the person who wants to be king. Okay. 
that's so surprising because you know it's one of those things and I bet people who are like really staunch Democrats or really staunch Republicans they can't see the other person's perspective like how could you vote for that person mm-hmm. I feel like maybe this is another good example because for me I'm like I would never pick King. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, would, I can only see why someone wanted me rich. So it's kind of interesting to hear your perspective on that. Ooh, well, I liked this episode. Me too. I really hope our listeners liked it and learned something from the conversation. Yeah, if nothing else, I hope that it was helpful to hear two people give really candid answers to what I think were some really kind of difficult and deep questions you know and to know that like sometimes it's in your best interest to to ask yourself the difficult questions and to you know be as real with yourself as you can yeah completely agree awesome well guys hopefully you loved it and if you are loving wind down build up Please be sure to tell a friend and to subscribe right now. And while you're at it, give us a five-star rating. Yes, please. We know so many of you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts. So if you could give us that five-star rating, we would really, 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 really appreciate it. Um, And if you enjoyed this topic and you want us to ask some more juicy, juicy questions to each other, drop us an email at winddownbuildup at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.